This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. So, what we want to talk about today, we're going to tag team. We always tag team. Well, usually, unless I'm with my kids. We have two little girls. And um, tonight we're there with Granny, so we both get to preach. Um, so yeah, I just want to honor Josh, actually. There's this thing God told me to do this afternoon. I was like, that's weird, but okay. Um, I mean, I always honor you, so it's not weird to honor you. <laughs> no, I just want to honor my husband because um, there's no one quite like him. <laughs> um, he empowers me as a woman to be even better than himself, and he's not intimidated by me, and um, he's not intimidated by any woman. And I just really feel like God wants me to honor him for that um, because Josh, everywhere he goes, he carries um, this thing that breaks sexism, racism, just all that stuff in religion, all that stuff that comes with it. So I just want to honor him. And sometimes what he's doing might seem really aimless or pointless, but there's usually a strategy behind it. God usually has a plan for, and sometimes it's awkward, but it's awesome, actually. So anyway. <laughs> So I want to talk about the Holy Spirit. And when I was, <laughs> when I was asking Jesus about how am I, what, what do you want me to say about the Holy Spirit, um, we all have our journey with the Holy Spirit. Everyone is on their own journey, and everyone's in a different place. Um, and the place you're in isn't bad if you're a few steps behind someone else with your revelation or your experience. So I just want to say that before we preach, um, because God is really patient and merciful and gracious with us in every season that we're in. And so I want to honor you when I speak about Holy Spirit, um, but I also know that some people might not um, understand that the same revelation I have. And my, my um, relationship with Holy Spirit, I'm not bragging, but it's about 25 years old. So it's kind of been there for a long time. Um, and so I'm learning, and I'm always growing, always actively saying, okay, how can I grow in this revelation? Where have I had bad theology that I need to get rid of? I went to theological seminary, so sometimes that stuff gets in there. Just kidding. It wasn't a seminary. It was a Bible school. Anyway, um, so yeah, so I know we all have different feelings about Holy Spirit, um, even especially regarding uh, like manifestations and just different things you're not understand, you don't know how to explain, um, or you think people have embellished Holy Spirit, perhaps. Um, I know that I'm speaking to someone because I used to deal with some of this, so I'm sure it's pulling on someone, uh, an experience someone has had. Um, so anyway, so before I started, I was like, okay, what are some basic questions people usually have about the Holy Spirit? Some, some basic questions I think people have about Holy Spirit is, who is he? Is he a person? Is he a spirit? He's just this thing. We tend to objectify him as a thing. So who is he? What is he? Um, when did he first get mentioned in the Bible? Is he in the Bible? What does the Bible say about Holy Spirit? What does he do? What is the job and role of the Holy Spirit? You know, what's his, what's his role? Um, why is he a part of the Godhead? Why do we Christians say it's Father, Son, Holy Spirit? Why is Holy Spirit in the Godhead? What is his character? What which also has to do with what he does, but what is his character? What is his personality? Jesus has personality. Father God has a personality. So what is Holy Spirit's personality? What happens in our lives if he is with us? What happens in our lives if he isn't with us? Why do people manifest? 
if he rests on them? What does it mean to quench the Holy Spirit? How many of you ever heard of that before? Oh, you don't want to quench the Holy Spirit. My mom used to always say that to me. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Um, Why are people so against Holy Spirit? That's a question. What does Jesus say about him? And why do we need him? So I'm not going to answer all of these things. I just want to raise these questions because I know that some of us have them. And it's okay, it's okay questions to ask. It's not bad to ask these things. Um, so this basically, these questions just dove me straight. I just dove straight into the scripture. I was like, okay, what does Jesus say about you? And you guys, I was like shocked. Like I've, Holy Spirit, like, and I have been on this journey for a long time. I listen to him. I, I hear him. I feel him. Um, but I didn't realize how much he's actually mentioned in Scripture. I was shocked. I was like, how can anyone have a problem with Holy Spirit? I'm from, um, I'm not going to name uh, denominations because I just, I don't like to dishonor any denominations. Um, but there's a specific de- denomination in, in America that um, I would always get in arguments when I was in Bible school. I would always get in arguments with this friend of mine from this denomination. And um, we would sit there and we'd just argue because I'm in Bible school. He's in uh, theological seminary. And we would just argue these ideas, you know, all these theological stuff, whatever. And, um, and I just, I'm reading all of these scriptures and I'm thinking, how could people have a problem with Holy Spirit? It's like, it's like right here. This is crazy. So anyway, I don't think I'm going to go through all the scriptures because honestly, there are so many. I would bore you. I really would. You would get bored. So instead, I'm going to focus, well, I'll, I'll focus on a few. Of the, I'll focus on a few. So actually, before I do that, um, so I just want to tell you a little bit about my journey because I like to personalize a message. Um, and I want to tell you about my journey with Holy Spirit. Okay. So the first time I felt Holy Spirit was when I was five years old laying in my bed. Um, my parents had a picture of an angel and a baby under the, in the wings of the angel. And I would just look up at this picture, and I'd be like, what does this mean? And I asked my mom one time, and she said, no, there's a scripture verse underneath that says, um, Psalms 91, God um, will keep me covered in the shadow of the Almighty. So I remember just laying there, looking up at this picture, feeling covered by the wings of the Almighty God. And I just felt so protected by him, and I just knew he was on my side. Um, I received the gift of tongues when I was about 10. Grew up in like a spirit-filled church, I guess you would call it. Spirit-filled tongues. Uh, There were manifestations, a lot of them. A lot of them I didn't understand. Um, Came to a place um, when I was about uh, 15 where I just grew really offended at Holy Spirit. And um, there was a conference at our church, and some manifestation stuff happened. It was super weird. Our pastor basically took everyone aside, said, this guy's a heretic, Uh, This isn't the Holy Spirit. These are demons that he's manifesting. And so um, I immediately was like, okay, Holy Spirit's no-go. You cannot control that guy, and we don't even know if this is Holy Spirit. So no-go. Okay, Holy Spirit didn't didn't work in my life for quite a few years. Then I went away to Bible school um, at about 20 years old. Uh, and, but, but meanwhile, I still love Jesus, still pursued him, did internships, did like, I was at, I don't know if you guys have heard of IHOP, the International House of Prayer, uh, did internships there, was in the Bible school there. And um, there was one night where, there was one night where God said, um, you need to let go of control because you're never going to experience me. I was right after I watched this movie called um, Finger of God. 
And I was super offended at the manifestations and at the stuff that was happening in that movie. And he said, you have to let go of control because I cannot move in you and you will never see the presence of God rest on your life if you do not let go of control. So I sat in the prayer room, this big prayer room that goes 24 hours a day um, for the past 20 years, and um, sat in the prayer room and I said, I will not leave this chair until I feel something. I want to feel something. And God was like, cool. It's going to take a while. I'm going to take you on a journey. Took me on a journey. I sat in the chair for eight straight hours. Didn't go anywhere. Didn't use the toilet. Didn't get up to get a drink of water because I was stubborn. I'm stubborn. I'm Italian and Irish. I'm stubborn. Okay. My mom was raised by the Irish mafia in Chicago. Okay. I'm stubborn. (laughs) And I was like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be like, Jacob, I'm going to hold on to you and I'm going to fight with you until you show me that you're real because I'm sick of people saying you're real and I don't feel you and I don't experience you. So I said, I'm going to wait in this chair until 6 a.m. because I was on the night watch. So I was awake from 12 a.m. to 6 a.m. in the prayer room every day for five years of my life. It was awesome. And so so I said, I'm going to wait here until 6 a.m. because that's my curfew and I have to go home. Didn't feel anything, didn't feel anything, filled with faith knowing I was going to experience God that night. At 5.59, he showed up. I was stuck in the prayer room for the next two hours. I was a drunkard. I couldn't move. I I felt the presence of God like I'd never felt before. My my whole body was filled with electricity. And and when they had to pick me up, put me in the car, and take me home, um, I was laying in my bed, and I said, God, don't let this presence lift off of me because I want to feel you for the rest of my life. And he said, whenever you lift up your hands and you open your hands like this, you're going to feel it. And never once... Since that day, I don't know, 10 years ago, have I not felt his presence if I just opened my hand? I feel it, you guys. Tingling, electricity, numbness, every single time because he promised me. And he wanted to show me that he's real. So that is a bit of my journey. Oh, and then also, as soon as that happened, um, I started seeing signs and wonders in my life. I started hosting the presence um, because I wasn't offended anymore at what Jesus does on the earth, at what Holy Spirit does. So I started seeing signs and wonders. We started clearing out hospital wards in Kansas City. We started, um, yeah, I, I started giving prophetic words. I started encountering Jesus. I, my revelation was, was in the Bible, but I was getting it before I would read the Bible. And then I would read the Bible and I'd be like, oh, sweet, it's in the Bible. Cool, that's awesome. So anyway, so that's, that's a little bit of my journey. And so what I'm telling you today is, is kind of a reflection of that journey. So when I was going through the scriptures and um, asking, uh, basically just asking God, what, what does Jesus say about Holy Spirit? Um, this verse was extremely highlighted to me. So there's a few things. Oh, I could, you guys, honestly, this is like hours and hours and hours of studies if you go into the scriptures and look up like all this stuff about Holy Spirit. But the one cool thing, I'll just give you a little bit of a, a picture about Holy Spirit in Jesus' life. So, Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Oh, that's interesting. So, without the Holy Spirit resting upon Mary, Jesus wouldn't be here. Okay, that's interesting. Wow, look at that. It's right there in the scriptures. That's weird. Um, Jesus is... Jesus, his birth was prophesied through prophetic utterance of the Spirit uh, before he was born. Um, Jesus was empowered 
sorry, these all have scripture verses, Luke 3, 22. I'm not going to say all the scripture verses. If you want them, you can come take a picture of my notes afterwards if you want to see all the scripture verses. Um, Jesus was resurrected by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus imparted power to his disciples through the Holy Spirit. Jesus' first action in heaven was to send us the Holy Spirit. Um, and I know Andre spoke about it before uh, we did worship. And then in worship, we sang a song about the Holy Spirit. So I really feel like God is on this thing tonight. Okay. So the verse I want to focus on for the next few minutes is John 14, 16 through 18. And the interesting thing that God highlighted in this verse to me is that, um, you know, I'm just going to have to read it in the Passion Translation, because if you want some passion in your life, you don't need a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Just go get the Passion Translation. (laughs) I'm kind of joking. I'm kind of not. So it says... This is what Jesus is saying uh, to his disciples. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another Savior. Oh, that's interesting. He calls the Holy Spirit a Savior. Hmm. He'll give you another Savior. The Holy Spirit of truth, who will be to you a friend just like me. Okay, so he's a Savior. He's a Spirit of truth. He's a friend. And he will never leave you. The world won't receive him. Shame. Because they can't see him or know him. But you know him intimately. You will know him intimately because he will make his home in you and you will live and and will live inside of you. I promise that I will never leave you helpless or abandoned. You, I will not leave you as orphans. And so there's this thing, this word, uh, actually the Passion Translation did all the work for us and it converted the word to orphan. But in most translations, they don't, they don't always say orphan, um, but it's the Greek word is orphanos. And what it means is orphaned, obviously. And, and there's this thing on God's heart. And when he left, he wasn't willing to leave us without a parent. And I don't know if any of you guys know any orphans. I know a lot of orphans. Uh, I know you guys don't know Josh and I very well, but we run a, a missions base. Um, and uh, we, with the base, we have 75 also children. And um, I would say half of them are, more than half, are raised by someone who isn't their parents. They don't have parents. Maybe they're not completely orphaned, but we also have a lot of orphans. And there's a certain behavior about orphans. They don't feel loved. They feel rejected. They feel alone. And you can't expect someone who's an orphan to behave properly, to function properly. Because there's something missing. They have no picture of mom and dad. They have no picture of a healthy functioning family. And Holy Spirit is our picture of a healthy functioning family. Jesus was like, no, I don't want you to feel rejected. I don't want you to feel like I'm leaving you. But I have to go be at my father's throne. To the right of his throne. I have to go. I have to be there. And I don't want you to feel rejected. I don't want you to feel alone. So I'm going to send you someone who looks just like me because he's the exact representation of Jesus, actually. And I'm going to send someone that looks just like me to be your parent. So Holy Spirit is our parent. You guys, we don't want to reject our parent. We don't want to reject him because we can't see him all the time. It says right here, it's not a surprise. He said the world is going to reject this guy. He's going to reject him. It's not a surprise. He's not surprised, but he is grieved. And so I feel like God wants to deal with the orphan thing. That word was just really coming out to me, that orphan thing. 
Yeah, before I hand over to Josh, I just want you guys to close your eyes and put your hands out. And just say, Holy Spirit, I believe that you are a real person. I receive you as my parent. Forgive me where I have behaved like an orphan. I believe you will never leave me alone. I believe that you love me so much. Holy Spirit, I believe that you are a real man. You're not an object. You're real. We cannot objectify Holy Spirit. When we use the word the in front of Holy Spirit, we objectify him. He's not the Holy Spirit. He's Holy Spirit. You don't say the Jesus. You say Jesus. He's not the Holy Spirit. He is Holy Spirit. So God, we just receive that right now. God, we just keep our hearts open to whatever it is that Josh is about to say to, to draw us closer to you, Abba, you Holy Spirit. Thanks, baby. Guys, I want to quickly go to, if you've got your Bibles, just turn to Isaiah 61. I almost forgot <laughs> what verse I was going to share. Go to Isaiah 61. You can literally just stick there. It's, it's going to be cool. I'm going to read while you're finding it. I'm just going to read some stuff that I was just thinking about quickly. Um, and the one thing is, many people stop short of a divine encounter because they are satisfied with good theology. <laughs> That's a good one. I'm going to read it again. Okay. Many people stop short. They stop the experience of a divine encounter because they are satisfied with good theology. Guys, let me tell you something tonight. There is a perfect theology. Jesus is perfect theology. That's it. <laughs> it's, it's so cool. And um, like uh, Andre mentioned it a little bit earlier, uh, he, said, <clears throat> he said this amazing thing, and it's, it's, it's a quote from Bill Johnson. Uh, and Bill Johnson says this. He says, um, when Jesus died and ascended to heaven, um, I will cry. I'm a crying man. I love to cry. But when Jesus ascended to heaven and sat down at the right hand of the Father, the Father looked at Jesus and said, Son, what gift can we give my sons and daughters that is adequate and perfect for them? So God and Jesus, I'm elaborating now. God and Jesus searched all of creation looking for the perfect gift for his sons and daughters. And he searched and he said, I have found none. Nothing is good enough. So God said, Jesus, give them your spirit. And Jesus breathed on us and we received the perfect gift, the best gift of the Holy Spirit. And yeah, it's the crazy thing, right? The Holy Spirit, he's the vulnerable one. I can relate to this dude because I'm pretty vulnerable. He's the sensitive one. He's the one that if you sneeze incorrectly, he'll just take, like, you'll withdraw, you know? Bill Johnson says the Holy Spirit is like a dove sitting on your shoulder. While you start running, the dove will fly away. So we move as carefully as we can so that the Holy Spirit doesn't fly away. God trusts you. God trusts you enough. (laughs) Well, let's just stop there. God trusts us. 
Yes, he does. And I can prove it to you. God trusts you enough with the most gentle, vulnerable part of himself, the Holy Spirit. At any moment, we can offend him, but he trusts us not to. Isn't that beautiful? How can we? He's here right now. I feel him so strong. How can we? How can we say he's not God? We believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible. It just doesn't work like that. Jesus is perfect theology. This is another good one. Uh, I've already said that like five times. Jesus is perfect theology. So many times we think theology is what we think of theology as what we know of God. Jesus was perfect theology because of this one reason. He knew God and he demonstrated God. The two go hand in hand. This is perfect theology. You can talk about God rafe, but raf. God the healer, and you bring it down to earth, how? Like, like it doesn't connect. The connection is the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus. You know, it's like God is healing. Let's bring it down to earth. And Jesus was the first guy who demonstrated this seamlessly and flawlessly. Jesus modeled to us how to walk day by day with the Holy Spirit. He made it available for all of us to model what he has done on earth. He even took it one step above and he said, you will do greater things than I have even done. And that that shows true humility. I don't know many church leaders that will say to their congregation, do greater things than me. Because as soon as you start stepping out in signs and wonders, especially if you are a woman, and especially if you are not of the same race. Sorry, I'm just going after that. Seriously, guys. And we're like, no, let me control. But Jesus says the opposite. He says, no, you are going to do greater things than even I will do. He says that. I, okay, I can't say that. Um, rewind. I have, back in the day, I came from a very seeker-friendly church. It was a mega church. There was, I led a youth group of over 300 children by myself. Uh, the main campus had 2,000 youth that's freaking awesome, right? Um, but they're really particular, it's particular about certain things. I'm not going to mention the denomination. It is not of East London. It's not from here. So blah, blah, blah. I don't want to dishonor them. I learned so many things from that church, but just this experience was intense. So um, I'm going to just share with you. So God, look, I'm not dishonoring anyone. It's not my heart. And so that was a really seeker-friendly church, right? And then one day I encountered the Holy Spirit so intensely that my life was never the same. I went on from there. <laughs> I, I remember the one, this is just a crazy one. I remember the once I had a really crazy dream. It was twofold. The first was um, children, uh, young child, teenagers with like pieces of metal through their bodies. And, and I knew that God was saying that sports injuries were going to get healed. I'm like, who the heck do I know that plays sports firstly? I, don't do sport. And secondly, what? And then the second part of the dream was, this is an Indian woman um, whose child was, re- whose daughter was very rebellious and had unforgiven. I can't remember the exact details. So I'm like, whoa, that was a cool dream. The next day I was leading a treasure hunt with the youth. It was crazy. So we go out onto the streets with our treasures and like what God is wanting to find and do. And we go looking and I stop at this one shop and I walk in and the, the, the person that works there comes up to me and taps me on the shoulder and she's like, sir, do you need anything? I turn around and it's an Indian woman. I'm like, 
You're the first Indian woman I've seen the whole day. This is just weird. <laughs> it's like, ma'am, um, talking about stepping out in faith. I was like, ma'am, um, I had a dream about you last night. Do you have a daughter that is giving you a hard time and that is rebelling? She instantly started to weep. I'm like, checking if everyone's seeing, you know, like a white dude causing harm. You, know? you never know. So I was, like, I was like, okay. And I did not know what to do. No one had ever taught me how to pray for somebody and release the Holy Spirit. It's always like, you know, oh God, if it's your will, you will heal this person. It's always been that. It's never been what the Holy Spirit was telling me to do. I've had nobody teach me this stuff. Okay. So I was like, okay, Holy Spirit, help. I was like, okay, um, and then I just, I, I didn't even touch her, but I went out to touch her like this. And she went flying right across the whole shop. And she was encountering Jesus, like incredibly. Um, after that encounter with the Holy Spirit, she got up, went home, and her daughter apologized and repented for everything that she had ever done to her mother. And her mother had the opportunity of asking for forgiveness for how she misrepresented the Holy Spirit to her daughter. And it was complete restoration. And it was a dream, right? Hallelujah. Yes, yes, the crazy thing. That was the second part of my dream. What about the first part? I was like, ah, it's so excited. I've seen the first part answered. And now, <laughs> now I'm going to see some crazy healings, right? So I go to youth that night. 300 children come in, and they are crazy. They are hormonal teenagers. Oh, my Lord. Jesus, give me grace. <laughs> and, and um. I just break that off over teenagers. And um, they come in. I'm like a little bit overwhelmed. <laughs> this guy comes walking in from behind the crowd. And he's on crutches. His whole left leg was in a metal brace with metal pieces sticking out of it. <laughs> and I was like, who's that guy? I've never seen him before. Oh, he's Austin. He's the most, I wasn't supposed to say his name. He's the most rebellious. <laughs> he was the most rebellious boy in school. Like, He's, he's, anyway, I don't have to go into detail. I just said his name, so why would I do that? So I was like, this is awesome. He doesn't know Jesus. I dreamt about him last night. And I'm like, okay, God, I'm not going to seek this out. Give me an opportunity to do this, right? Because I don't know what I'm doing. Um, this is not of me. It's obviously all of you, God. So um, anyway, I just prayed. And there was an amazing, I think it was still back in those times where, how he loves us so. You know that song? It was still a big thing. And so they're singing that. This boy starts, no, lies. His friend goes down in the Holy Spirit. So he goes down next to his friend to pray for him. This kid is not even saved. I'm like, first 101, you know, don't, <laughs> jokes. So I go to him and I'm like, bro, God really wants to heal you. And I told him the dream and I said, can I pray? And he's like, bro, my knee is on fire right now. And it was burning red. And I was like, cool, can I lay my hand on you? He's like, yes. I touched his knee. I was like, whoa, that is not natural. Okay. This is good. I was like, okay, in the name of Jesus, be healed. Like, he, he got up and started moving his leg completely. We physically watched the swelling disappear. It went down. It was normal. The next day, like, he went back. Like he was playing touch rugby. He goes to the physiotherapist. They're like, what are you doing? They examine his knee. Nothing wrong with it. Completely healed. Better than before. Isn't that incredible? And I had no idea, like, like why? I didn't, it didn't make any sense. But guys, Jesus, 
He said to us, you are going to do greater things than I have even done. Isn't that incredible? So let me, let me ask this. Let's, let's compare ourselves to Jesus on earth, right? Who has seen, um, what's equivalent to leprosy in nowadays? Okay, AIDS. Who has seen AIDS healed? Put up your hand. Okay. Look, you can look around. Keep your hands up. That's freaking awesome. <laughs> Who has seen cancer healed? That's a guy's. African-American in the room. <laughs> and um, that's awesome. A cancer healed. Hallelujah. Thank you, my Lord Jesus. Let me ask you this. Jesus saw the dead raised. Who's seen the dead raised? Who's, who's laid hand on, hands on the dead and see them raised? I, I had prayed for everything. And I prayed. I remember the one day I went to go visit my parents, and I rock up at their place. It was a shop. And my dad's like, Josh, there's something wrong with this guy. I'm like, He's dead. And my dad's like, oh, no. And my dad, like, goes and organizes something. This guy had a heart attack in his car. I swing the door open. I'm like, love, love, love. And I look around the crowd of unsaved people. I'm like, let's pray for healing, everyone. Let's pray that he comes back to love in the name of Jesus. He didn't come back to love. <laughs> <laughs> but like, like this is the crazy thing. If we are called to see, if we, <laughs> if we are called to see cancer healed, start praying for the cancer victims. You know, like start stepping out in faith. Faith is a muscle that you've got to build. Right? The more you pray, the more. But it's not the soppy begging stuff. It's got to be commanding because God has given us authority. If you want to see dead people raised from the dead, start praying for the dead to raise. Like step out in faith. All right? Like, yes, be respectful. Ask for permission. And if they give you permission, do it. Okay? Don't be like those power evangelists. Um, I love them, Lord. So, I, want, I didn't see it. And I was like, I want to see the dead raised. Who are the people that raise dead people? Oh, I heard about this place. It's called Iris Ministries back in the day. And, and they have seen like hundreds of people raised back to life. I'm going there. Sold everything. I didn't have much. And I, 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 I like... We got there. It was a complete miracle. My church rejected me completely. They said to me, they said this exact line. They said, I prayed to the Holy Spirit in one of the church prayer meetings. And the guy said, remember Joshua, in front of everyone. So this is a mega church. There's like 50 people, 50 leaders. And he said, remember Joshua, that the Holy Spirit always points back to Jesus. And I was like, yeah, but he's God. He is Jesus. I was like, what's going on? And I got completely rejected because of the Holy Spirit. And I was like, don't you see the fruit? The blind eyes are opening. The deaf ears are opening. People are getting up and walking. Cancer's being healed. Like, how can you not want this Holy Spirit? And anyway, I went to Mozambique. We, long story short, well, that's impossible. I remember we, we get divided into groups to go and pray, to go and do outreaches into the bush bush. Now, this is my opportunity. I'm going to see a dead person. I know it. So I was like, I'm joking. This is just what my heart was hoping. So I'm like making my way through the whole crowd of Iris students, right? Just to go and see my name on a list, on a thing to see when I was going to go and outreach. And it just so happened, I went through all of the names from the last team that was going all the way through to where my name was represented. And I was one of the first outreaches to go. And I'm like, going down the list, and I was like, Joshua Minter. I'm like, oh. and at that moment, it felt like somebody came and put their hand over my, like standing behind me, a man, put his hand on my chest and touched my chest. And this, guys, this is just going to trip you out, okay? I can't explain this. 
This next part, I cannot explain. I cannot. So, yeah, goes, bye-bye theology. Um, so, yeah, this man came and touched my chest, and I went flying through the 300 students, through them. I didn't touch a single person, but I don't know how. I don't, I don't know. And I went flying at like, quite a distance, and I landed up against a wall like this, against the wall horizontally. And my arms are flopping like a fish. My legs are flopping like a fish. I, I'm tot- my brain is totally there, okay? I'm looking at the people, and they're like, what the is going on now. Like their faces are like, what is going on? And I'm on the wall for, and I'm literally saying, what is happening? Bam, I hit the floor. And my friends are so tripped out, I don't actually remember from then. But all I remember was landing up inside my house, totally gone. I was out of it for the rest of the day, completely gone. Guys, we went to that outreach. We planted a church in a Muslim village. The, the, the Muslim chief said this. <laughs> He said, I hear about your Jesus and how he heals the sick. I'm going to go. And he leaves. <laughs> and he's staying in his house and like in tents in his yard. It's like a shack. Not, no, it's, it's a mud hut. We don't get that in South Africa. Maybe somewhere Pezulu, um, the people there, you know, um, the Mama, the Indambela tribe, maybe similar, but yes. So, was that closer? Sorry. Um, and um, so we go there. He leaves, right? He comes back. I wake up in the morning, and it's Mozambique. 5.30 in the morning, it's like a sauna in my tent. I'm like, Jesus, help me. <laughs> and as you open up the, the tent, like sweating and in a puddle of sweat, and you're like, I don't want to see anybody like this. <laughs> as you open up the zit, there's like 50 people staring at me. I'm like, holy <laughs> It's like, what's wrong? Oh, sickness. Turns out, this, this Muslim chief went to the in, intensive ward in the hospital three villages away, emptied out the high care ward, and brought them to our campsite. Because Jesus, if Jesus is real, you show me. So we're like, okay. I don't know this. So I'm like, climbing up, be healed. Be healed. <laughs> The people were getting healed like crazy. Um, the one, one of my favorite stories is this, this teenager, like she was 12 years old. She got mastitis. Now, dudes, they're single guys. This is freaky stuff, but I'll go there. She was unable to breastfeed her newborn child that was three weeks old. Totally like it was, was intense. Oh, that's all I can say. And I've seen a lot. That was next level. Like, <gasps> what am I seeing here? And um, she was unable to. It's impossible. And um, she's like, is there any formula? No. We had no physical way of meeting this child's needs except for Jesus. It was the only logical option. (laughs) Um, The one missionary goes to the villages looking for formula, can't, can't find anything. We pray, we pray, we pray, we pray, we pray. She gets completely healed by the end of the day. She's breastfeeding a child. Isn't that incredible? Hallelujah, Jesus. We left, we left, we planted a church, we left, and one of my, one of my team members had the honor of going back there at the end of the year, at the end of the school. And he went in there and he went to the same village and prayed for this man that had like paralysis, like his arm was stiff, you know? Prayed for this guy, 
he got healed, his arm opened up as usual, and Kyle bent the mo- into the, the truck and was driving away like, oh, isn't God good? And the one local Mozambican said, do you know who you just prayed for? And my friend Johnny's like, no. He's like, you just prayed for, you, charge, you, you planted the church. Three days later after you left, a man died in the village. They heard on your Bible, your audio Bible, that Jesus is the one that heals and raises the dead. So they fasted and prayed. A new church, a Muslim church, fasted and prayed for three days. The man got up and walked. And you just prayed for the last little bit of his paralysis. Isn't that incredible? That's amazing. Guys, I prayed for, I think, five dead people. I've seen one raised back to life. What are you going to do? It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you partnering with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. It's going to cost you your everything, your integrity. Who goes and lays hands on dead people? Like, who does that? Who does, who's got faith to say to somebody with HIV, be healed in the name of Jesus Christ and actually see them healed? Like, I do. I hate AIDS. I hate it. It's destroying our country. Do you know that 7.1 million South Africans are HIV infected in South Africa? I want to ask a serious question. How many people do you know with HIV? I think it's, I think it's like one in 50 now. I don't know. No, there's more than that. I don't know. It's like one, every third person has got HIV. Remember that, that, that joke that Trevor Noah used to say? It's funny, but not funny. Um, <laughs> It's serious. Who do you know? Who do you know? I know it's disclosure of confidentiality, so don't go saying, do you have AIDS? <laughs> Out of relationship. Pray for them. I've seen AIDS clinically healed. I've seen it. I desire to see more of it because my whole community is almost wiped out because of it. Anyway, I digressed. Um, okay. The heart of the Father is this, that every single one of us will walk around with Jesus inside of them. So that wherever we go, we demonstrate the kingdom of God. Is there any AIDS in heaven? No. Is there any death in heaven? No. Is there any cancer in heaven? No. Is there any back pain in heaven? Is there any uh, anything? Is it? No. There's absolutely not. And we've... God's, the heart of the Father is that we'll be like Jesus on earth. And that is the reason why He sent us the Holy Spirit, so that we would demonstrate His kingdom on earth. We need the Holy Spirit for demonstrations. And so many people um, get this one thing. Satan is not the opposite of God. He is the opposite of Michael, the archangel. He's got nothing on God. Nothing on God. God is God. The devil is not. And who is living on the inside of you? The Almighty, the uncreated one. And who is sickness? What is it manifested? It is the manifestation of the enemy. Okay? God's heart is that none of us are sick. None of us are dying. It's pretty cool. Um, Let me see if there's anything else. Cool. Isaiah 61. I'll read it for you. I'm just reading the first four verses. Don't trip out because it's like one of those ones that everyone goes to when they want to preach, right? So the spirit of the sovereign, sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to, from, the kept, from captivity and release from darkness uh, the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to confirm, confront, sorry, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve, 
Uh, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of a crown of ashes, and the oil of joy instead of mourning, um, and the garments of praise instead of the spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, planted, a planting of the Lord for the day of his splendor. Now, this is the crazy thing, right? This is Jesus speaking. Jesus spoke this when he came to earth. And he said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon us. And now we're going to get to the fun part, okay? The spirit of the Lord is upon us. This is the crazy thing, guys. Jesus made that same anointing available to all of us. To all of us. All of us. And there's a reason why the spirit of the Lord rests upon us. It's like Bill Johnson. I love that dude. He says, the spirit, the Holy Spirit inside of me for me the Holy Spirit on me for others. Um, So your degree of full was, how do you compare if somebody's full? Is it because they're like this or is it until they start overflowing? We need to be so full of the Holy Spirit that he just overflows all the time, all the time. And there's a reason for it. And it's in Isaiah um, to proclaim what? To bring freedom to the captives, to release from darkness the prisoners, to declare the, the, the year of favor. It's like God is, God's business is about restoration. But first we've got to be restored before we can bring about restoration. And that's the, incre- that's the incredible thing, guys. You are, every single day, on a day-to-day basis, you encounter people that are broken. And you carry the solution to their brokenness. You do. Not the church leadership. You do. And this is the beauty of the church. We come, Sundays are supposed to be a time of celebration. Not a, you, know, you know what I mean? For what God has done with us and through us and in us in the years before. And it says, yeah, that we're going to become oaks of righteousness. Guys, oaks are big trees, firmly planted and have got a good foundation. So when the storms of life come, they don't get blown and tossed aside. Right? Isn't that incredible? And like, like all said and done, right? Um, who here has got children, right? Okay. Um, when your child loses their appetite, what does it mean? They are sick. Brilliant. Thank you. Okay. When you lose your appetite for the Holy Spirit, what does it mean? There's something not right. And so many of us get so callous towards the Holy Spirit that we stop receiving from Him. We cannot base our encounter of God upon our experience of God. We've got to base it on who He is, not on what we experience. So if you prayed for somebody that was sick and they didn't get healed, is that how you're supposed to compare God to? No. No. That was just a bad experience. I'm sorry. God is healing. Uh, you understand what I mean? So if you, had an, if you had a bad encounter with the Holy Spirit, that is just... Something went wrong there. You can't use that experience as who he is, right? And some of us, some of us, um, hunger is a gift. What are you doing with it? And this only speaks to some because hunger is a gift. Some of you might say, well, I don't actually need the Holy Spirit in my life. I'm sorry for you. That grieves me. But cool. I can't change that. I can say one thing, though. I never want to have one moment without the Holy Spirit. I never want to take a single breath without Him. I'm totally and utterly, hopelessly reliant on the Holy Spirit. You are-
Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share. Sing.